We were praising God that not everyone gets the privilege of seeing the body of bridges. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't it great? Um, so, you know, sometimes I will, um, I'll be taking the tour and seeing the fellowships, giving praise to God in different languages, and it's really super encouraging. But if you're going to one of the fellowships and you're not able to see all of it, you miss out a little bit on the beauty of what God is doing at Bridges, and it's so cool, so great. Um, so I praise God. We've got a lot to praise God for, don't we? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this. I've been reading along in Scripture, and all of a sudden made this discovery. Like, wow, Lord, I don't know that I've ever seen this before, reading your Word. And um, maybe I thought this week as I was doing that, I had one of those aha moments. And then I thought, well, maybe it's just a senior moment. Maybe, maybe it was one of those things that God had taught me before, but now that I'm getting older, I had already forgotten. I needed to relearn. But I think actually it was, it was a new one for me. And the discovery I was making was that, um, you know, God links my thanksgiving, the, the times when I'm thanking him, to my witness my ability to communicate my faith. That is, my gratitude to God somehow transcends cultures and languages and effectively proclaims who God is. My thanksgiving, the way that I, in my heart and in my mouth, am being grateful to God, it, it speaks. That is, thanksgiving is multilingual. It's multicultural, and it moves people around me to admire God with me and to praise God with me. When, I, when I'm truly grateful in my heart, God uses it. I want you to think about a few verses with me together. Um, they're found in the book of Psalms, and so I'd love for you to turn your Bible open to the book of Psalms. And um, this points you to a couple of those texts, and then we have one key text that we're going to be jumping into this morning. Listen to the word of the Lord in the book of Psalms. Psalm 57 verse 9 says this. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises to you among the nations. That is, I will give thanks publicly. It's going to be a habit of mine to be, grat to be a person of gratitude and to give thanks in public. I don't know if you've ever been in a setting like this where you're with a friend who is also a follower of Jesus and in a public setting, they'll, they'll say something like, oh, thank God for that. When you know the people around you are not believers and you, you observe the interaction when people see that person give praise to God, it does something in the room when someone truly is grateful in a public way. And throughout the Psalms, you'll see that we're compelled as people who are followers of the Lord to give thanks and to do it publicly. Psalm 105, 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Tell people about it. Make sure that your thanksgiving, even this week as we celebrate it together, is public and people 
know that you are a grateful woman, a grateful man, a grateful young person to God for his goodness, for his care for you. Psalm 107, 8, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. So there are a lot of things that we can give thanks for this morning, right? You heard some of them. It was really encouraging, wasn't it? We can give thanks for life and breath and health. Thanks for this dear, wonderful church, gathering of people from all kinds of different countries and places in the world. We can give thanks for our families and thanks for his provision. But scripture often points us back to this thing. Give thanks to the Lord for his hesed, for his steadfast love, for his faithfulness to you and to me and to generations upon generations. God is a lover unlike I am. Yet he is a forgiver. He's a person that continues to love us. So I give thanks for his steadfast love. Psalm 108, 3. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Not just here when we're gathered together, in church together celebrating, but when I'm out, I'm going to give thanks and actually sing it out. And Isaiah 12, 4 says, And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Now, why is it that that God continues to encourage us in his word to make it known, to make our gratitude known and be thankful about it? I mean, I want people to know um, that I'm grateful, and it's fun to be around grateful people, but I think there's something deeper. I think that God's goodness is communicated in such a way through my thanks that it's not communicated in other ways that I might be speaking or might be sharing. And I was was thinking through these things in my heart and reading in Scripture this week. I came across this wonderful story, a wonderful account that actually is surprising with the layers of it. And I'd like to turn your attention that direction to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20, if you turn your phone there or your, your iPad or your, your um, old school Bible, that'd be great. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is this wonderful story, and it begins with trouble. So the king in the land is King Jehoshaphat, and he is the king of Judah. This is the, the people of God who are seeking to follow him. And at this point in the nation's history, they're actually pretty close to God because their king was a godly man. He was a godly leader seeking to move his people there. And what happens is that a group of nations surrounding them form a coalition. And they gather their armies and they're about to invade. They're on the move and they're right at the border about to invade his people. And this army that's coming from Edom far outstrips anything that Judah can muster. They're they're better armed. There are lots more of them. And Judah is in serious trouble. So you would think that the first thing we think about is how do we scare up our army and how do we make our defenses? But the first thing that Jehoshaphat does here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is he prays. He turns his attention to the Lord and prays out. And not only that, but he gathers the people of God to pray. 
Verse 3, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. People from all over the country came and they gathered and they said, man, we've got to pray. That's the, that's the thing most significant for us when it seems overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever been in a circumstance that seemed completely overwhelming to you. But this is where they sat and their reaction was to pray and to gather friends, partners to pray. That's why we have taken these days to pray together in partnership because we believe in the power of it. And if God is going to go and do anything with us and go before us, it's going to be as his people pray. Amen to that? So that's where we've been going together. And that's what happens in Chronicles chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The people of God gather together and they start to pray. And I love the, pray, the prayers as recorded for us in verses 5 through 12. And especially where this king lands in his prayer. So as a king, you would imagine, as a leader, he's trying to um, at least give his people confidence, right? He's trying to lead with a sense of strength and people would want to walk with him and have the courage to go the direction he's calling his people to, to go. And what happens? How does he pray? At the end of that prayer in verse 12, he says this as he's praying out in a public way in front of all these people. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that a great prayer? I have no idea, Lord, what's going on with my family. I have no idea, Father, what you're going to do with my finances. I have no idea how you're going to heal this relationship, this addiction. I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you, though. But my eyes are on you. And it's such a great transparent prayer, isn't it, that this king offers. And in response to that prayer, God in his mercy and his grace, he gives his people a word. Now, they didn't have the written word. They had the law on tablets, and they had some psalms, and they had a lot of oral tradition. They had some written on papyri, perhaps. But at this point, the people of God need to hear from God himself, and God gives a prophet, Jehaziel, a word for his people. He comes to his people, and in essence, it's kind of boiled down in verse 15. He says this. The Lord's word is, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. He's saying, the battle belongs to the Lord. Isn't that a good word? That's a great word. Whatever obstacle or circumstance or hardship the battle really truly is not yours. You're not sovereign. God is. You're not powerful enough to pull it all off. But the Lord God always is. The battle belongs to him. He's strong enough. And this word came to the people of God at just the right moment in that like really powerful way when 
The Spirit of God speaks sometimes to us so strongly. And as a reaction to that, King Jehoshaphat just falls down on his knees, on his face before God. And he just starts to worship God. And the people see this happening. And they all gather together as one. And they get down on their knees and on their face. And they start to worship God together. Can you imagine the moment? Now, in this same instance, this great horde, this great army is still coming for them. It's still on the march. And the people of God are just before him, crying out for his mercy crying out for his strength. And having hearing this word that the battle belonged to God, they just took it by faith and they said, okay, okay, um, even speak to our doubts and our insecurities, our fears, but we're going to trust that this battle belongs to you. So they all come down before the Lord. Verse 18, that Josaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. So they pray, then they hear from the Lord, then they respond in worship, and then they mobilize. They get all the people together and they're going to march out to meet their enemy, except they're not armed in the way that you might imagine. And they get this great game plan Jehoshaphat does. He's going to put a team of special forces in front, and they're not armed. The only armor they have is their thanksgiving. (laughs) Can you imagine that? The, The only armor they have. So they put these singers out in front of a whole army. Now imagine yourself as one of those singers You're going out to fight this overwhelming horde that's coming to invade your land. And you're not armed. The other people are behind you. You're out front on the point. And all you've got is your voice to praise God. All you've got is the thanksgiving in your heart and the trust that you have that the Lord is going to deliver. And they're given instructions to speak this out. Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. That's what you're supposed to do. Go ahead and sing that out. I kind of imagine it as kind of a military cadence as they started to march out. and Maybe with squeaky voices, fearful voices, but they're trusting the Lord. They start to speak this out. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Maybe the other side echoes. For his steadfast love, his steadfast love endures forever, endures forever, and they start marching out. And the scripture says that something happens as soon as they start taking God at his word and praising him this way. Verse 22, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Here's what happens. As soon as they start trusting God and this group of little you know, singers are out there armed only with their thanksgiving and thanking God, God does something. He goes before them. He proves that the battle belongs to him. And he starts this unrest in, these, in this coalition from Edom. They start fighting against one another and they start 
They start killing each other, slaughtering each other. They turned on one another because God had it in his agenda to go before his people. The text tells us that the, the valley where it happened got a name, and it was known from that time on forevermore, the valley of blessing. That God blessed them in such an unusual way. But now imagine yourself, you're part of that upfront point group, and you're praising God, and all you hear is a tumult of battle. Screams and yells, and you haven't seen what's going on, and you're still like giving thanks to the Lord, and you're stepping into this and wondering, what's God going to do? You hear the clash of swords, you hear it all the all the furor of the moment, the tumult of the moment. And then you get on the scene, and all of a sudden it's quiet. And you look as far as your eye can see as this army laid out in slaughter. And you didn't do anything. All you did was thank the Lord. That's all you did. And God went before you because the battle was his. It was never yours. And that's what the people of God discovers here in chapter 20. All they needed to do was put their heads down Trust in the Lord and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. That's all they did. What was the Lord teaching his people? Fast forward, what, what does the Lord teach us in these moments when he calls us to this place? I think you probably imagine a lot of great lessons from this text, right? First, turn to the Lord with your fears and when you feel overwhelmed because he is faithful Trust that the battle really truly is the Lord's, regardless of what you, circumstances you're surrounded with, where we're going. This is his work, and we trust in him, and he ultimately goes before us. This is his battle. And perhaps it's simply that, man, my thanks is powerful. When I trust in the Lord, I can trust that my thanksgiving is strong. And that he's going to lead. So I was studying this text. I was considering once more Paul's encouragement in the book of Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. Many of you are familiar with these words. 2 Thessalonians 5 verses 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice in the Lord. Pray without ceasing. Do you know this part? Give thanks in all or every circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's one of the few places in Scripture that says this specifically is God's will for you. And what is it? To give thanks. That's his will for you and for me this week as we're with family and friends to let his gratitude speak out in such a way that the people of God and the people without God would know that God is exalted through us and they would see him and they would come to know him. During the past 48 days, we've been praying that God would go before us. This same Lord who went before Judah to go before his people, 
that speaks this out, that the battle belongs to him. This same Lord is the one who is drawing people today from all over the world to seek him and to find him. And I'm left pondering, what if thanksgiving, a truly grateful heart and a grateful mouth is central to what God is going to do, is central to how he's going to fulfill his mission through us? What if faith and our thankful hearts are all that he needs and he's going to accomplish his great will and purposes through us as God's people embrace with gratitude who he is. He's certainly worth our thanks and most specifically because of his steadfast love demonstrated for us here in communion that we celebrate that the Lord Jesus gave to us on the night that he was betrayed that he would die for us. He would suffer a broken body and he would shed his blood for us so that we might have new life in him and so that we might understand the steadfastness of his great love for us. So as we turn our heart and our attention to share in communion, we remember that God is steadfast and we do it with grateful hearts and we can be sure that trust And thanksgiving is all that's needed. Everything else belongs to the Lord. Let me pray for you. Loving Father, you're so good and so great. And we're grateful. We're just deeply thankful for you. And I pray that would just that would come out of us, it would ooze out of us in the way that we live and speak, the way that we treat family this week and turn people toward you. God, among all the people, among all the nations, I, I pray that your praise would sound forth from us. Lord, we want to thank you. We're grateful for all that you've given us. Thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.